are you eating? Cheese it's those aren't chips. I gave up chips for lunch. So I'm going with an inferior product. You should go all the way inferior and get a bag of pretzels. Uh, actually, that's what I did, and then I couldn't take it anymore, and so I compromised with a box of crackers. <laughs> mm. Sometimes I I enjoy the uh, like the Snyder's sourdough pretzels. Yeah, that, no, those are like, okay. It's getting into bread territory. Like, <laughs> yeah. here's a here's a big the, the, of stale bread, salted stale bread nubs. Sometimes they're flavored salted stale bread nubs. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't go with those. It's it's too good. Sinful. Yeah, that yeah. would have to. It's like, like horse rash and onion, so it ain't that good. <laughs> nope, still no. Wash it down with a nice glass of tepid water. <laughs> Give up ice. <laughs> <laughs> I just really love ice. <laughs> it's, it's my it's my vice. My weakness. <laughs> Wait, I was supposed to give up a vice for Lent? <laughs> I just thought it was every year ice. Oh, I don't know why this is so hard. Yeah, can I get a, uh, a number three? And can I get a, a Diet Coke? But can you just pour some room temperature water in there to water it down? <laughs> I can't have ice, but it's too sweet otherwise. I give up ice ice for lunch, so now I have to take all my stiff cocktails and meat. <laughs> <laughs> Suffer it so much. I've given up refrigeration for lunch. <laughs> Ooh. Take it to the interesting thought. So, yep, I eat a lot of nuts now. And a lot of, uh... A lot of canned nuts. foods. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get that BPA in your diet, huh? Yeah, a lot of dry you know, cereal. I, wasn't uh, I think I just saw like some BP, BPA in the news that it's uh, not as bad as we all feared. Oh, good. I wonder who paid for that study. The current current guidelines. Big BPA. Uh, that uh, yeah, you should definitely put a little bit of BPA in your glass of wine that you have every day, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but that's why that was another thing I read that like the whole like drink a day thing wow. is just like no, I think. Well, it's because all these so, things cherry pick the data, wait, right, and don't so accurately saying, report the studies. So you're saying that I shouldn't have a nice tall uh, frappuccino and uh, follow it up with a brandy chaser? No, you should mix <laughs> that stuff together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, make sure you hold it in your hands for long enough to get it to room temperature. <laughs> <It's> four... <laughs> I had to give up four loco for Lent. So... <laughs> <laughs> now it's just brandy and coffee. <laughs> like a drunk. <laughs> <laughs> had to start buying off brand Quattro Crazy. <laughs> Quattro crazy. (laughs) I don't know why that was that broke me, Paul. (laughs) Really makes me wonder why they went with four loco in the first place. (laughs) Welcome to another edition of the Gobesky Wallace Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. Are you sure that Uh, we're welcome? Yes, yes, all are welcome. There's no one welcome. Yes, there is no one who can who may not listen to our podcast. Oh, listen, but not participating. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, it's like I'm trying to think like 
if there were people that would be like, no, you can't be on our podcast, if they ask nicely. I mean, everything I'm going to say at this point would be political people, so we oh, should move okay. on. We should move on. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who would realistically ask politely uh, is that's probably true. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I'm Adam Gobeski, and we have with us two very uh, existing guests. It's not a word. <laughs> existing? It's a word. <laughs> not in that context. I should say... What, extant? We have two extant guests. Yeah, there we go. Uh, I told you... someone to keep up the work today. <laughs> <laughs> and to have a weekend. Are they supposed to keep up the work and have a weekend, Paul? <laughs> yeah. But yes, Paul Wilcox and Doug Gobeski. Good to be here. Great to be here. Hmm. Being here is a state of being. <laughs> I am here. You sure? Have you checked? Ooh. Yeah, I've been taking it for granted this whole time that I'm here, but now that I'm thinking about it, it kind of scares me a little bit. Is <laughs> <laughs> Paul about to have an ontological crisis? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe an epistemological one, too, while we're at it. Don't forget to have a teleological crisis. Oh, man. That's just every day. (laughs) (laughs) What am I doing with my life? (laughs) What's it all for? Welcome to our 13th installment of the Merry Marvel Movie March and our second Merry Marvel Movie March Madness installment. We're going to talk about the 2003 uh, almost hit. I guess I don't actually know uh, how well this movie did. But yeah, we're talking about the February 2003 release, Daredevil. No, I'd like to actually talk about Daredevil. The much right. maligned Daredevil. <laughs> I, uh, rightfully so, or not rightfully so? Yeah, we'll get to that, I guess. Right? Or a little of both. Ah, yeah, okay. A little of both, yeah. Excited. Uh, yeah, we are, in fact, though, have a special tr- uh, treat, might not be the right word, but <laughs> but uh, a <laughs> special condition, I guess, regarding Daredevil, in that we, in fact, watched two versions of the film. The original, February 2003, theatrical cut, and then we also watched the director's cut, which uh, technically came out at the end of November 2004 on DVD. But rather than have like three movies or four movies in between, we just did both Daredevil's versions of Daredevil at once. Uh, in general, uh, I don't think we're going to do this possibly ever again, at least <laughs> not on the Marvel March. Uh I will like be doing they're... these exact movies this way again next week. <laughs> um, if you want to tune in to the Daredevil podcast with Paul. The podcast also live without fear. Twitch. <laughs> yeah. Podcast without fear. That's probably watch, chicken. Watch Paul. Watch Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, he's rewinding through the sex scene again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah a number of these movies have uh extended editions where they you know throw in some bonus scenes or something that don't really add anything to it but i think the director's cut my memory of it was that the director's cut was actually different enough that it warranted a separate release and uh, a separate like viewing i mean and so i guess we can have a conversation as we get to that point about whether i was right or whether i just put you through unnecessary distress <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but just a little bit to start out. Daredevil, of course, uh, the story of the Marvel blind superhero 
named Matt Murdock, who's a lawyer by day and vigilante by night, patrols Hell's Kitchen, and comes across a beautiful woman named Electra, played by Jennifer Garner. Daredevil's Ben Affleck, if you've been away for the last 20 years. And he comes up against the big villain, who is Michael Clark Duncan, playing Kingpin, and Kingpin's hired assassin, Bullseye, played by Colin Farrell. And stuff happens. Is that, an, is that enough of a description of what yeah, happens? Oh, yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stuff definitely does okay. happen. <laughs> so some of the movies we've discussed up to this point have had fairly troubled, like, histories. But as far as I could tell, this one was pretty straightforward. Got optioned in 1997 by Fox, who basically did nothing with it, so the rights reverted back. Disney was interested briefly, but decided they weren't actually were going to pursue it. So then Columbia stepped in and said, hey, we'll do it. And then they just more or less made the movie after, you know, a few, like, script drafts things like that but it didn't seem like there was anything too crazy going on behind the scenes here wait what columbia sony i thought this said it was fox oh did i read this wrong maybe i read this wrong you might have read that wrong because i swear those credits said this was 20th century fox yeah that came up at the beginning at least of this version of it you're on the right you're on the right week right you know daredevil oh, not oh. later man oh, oh okay i i didn't get far enough all right so let me start over then <laughs> unless you want all the awkward you're wrong stuff to be kept yeah it's yeah. always riveting it's always yeah. riveting stuff that you ask me to edit out later anyway it's <laughs> <laughs> gonna make for a riveting me... look these it's my please podcast me... <laughs> right my podcast best version of me <laughs> This is the You're Wrong Tag Show. (laughs) (laughs) All the awkward bits. (laughs) Every clip where somebody says something and somebody else goes, "Uh, I think you need to check that, bro. (laughs) Uh, See, this is now it's turned into a thing. We're going to have to keep this. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, uh, Columbia swoops in. They start to do something. Uh, then they decide, eh, we don't want to do this. So goes away and then goes to Regency, who then uh, combined forces with 20th Century Fox again to distribute the film. Pretty much straightforward. Nothing too crazy going on, it sounded like. So I don't know where I never know where to begin with these. Things. Oh. Well, why don't we just start out talking about Ben Affleck? Because there was huge backlash to him becoming Batman in the newer DC movies. Do you think that had something to do with this or just people's thoughts I think about Ben Affleck everything in general? to do with this. everything? <laughs> all right. I'll, all right. Maybe not everything, but I think a large portion was this. I would uh, think mostly everything to do with this, which honestly I feel is unfair. I don't feel like he's bad in this movie as Matt Murdock. Uh, it depends how you define that. <laughs> well, please define it. Well, if not now, then when? So I feel mostly his acting is good. <laughs> However, I feel like we can also draw a straight line from his performance as a remorseless murderer in Daredevil to his performance as a remorseless murderer in Batman versus Superman. <laughs> See, I'm not I'm not sure we can both because both characters who are generally speaking not murderers in the comics. But Ben Affleck, apparently his bloodlust is just so great, he wouldn't do the ro- do the roles without it. You know, maybe uh, they I were... Don't, I don't know that we can draw that line, though, because uh, as far as we're concerned, it's only 2003. <laughs> Wait, so we have to do so all of this without... save that for the DC. <laughs> yeah, when we're 65 no, no, and hitting the, the DC yeah. movies. <laughs> 
So not only do we Can't have wait to, to retire. Not only can we not talk about anything in the future from the movie we're watching, we also can't talk about things in the other in the other universe at all. It's all self-contained. No facts from outside. Maybe they made him into a, you know, remorseless murderer to compensate for his maybe like clean image at the time. Or did he have one? I don't know. Yeah, this is about the start of the fall from Grace for Ben Affleck between this and I think like Geely around the same time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And his directing career, I think, was not existent at this point, right? Still a few years right. before you'd really get to that. Yep. Yeah. But that's so, sad. That's sad. Uh, performance wise, it was all right. Like, I didn't have any major complaints with it, other than perhaps that mostly the blindness they just did by, oh, we put some uh, cloudy contacts on him. Like, uh, it's per- it's uh, not uh, nearly as good a performance as the. Uh, the uh, Who's the guy on the Netflix TV show? Charlie Cox. Yeah. Charlie Cox does a really good job. Uh, Phenomenal. Apparently, allegedly, the contacts effectively did make Ben Affleck blind. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, he he couldn't really see through them at all. So. Oh, funny. (laughs) Yeah, I don't I don't mind Ben Affleck in this. No, I really don't either. I mean, never had. So I hadn't seen this one before. Like, I just heard that it wasn't good. Yeah. No, this was the first time. Oh, wow. Wow. I, I think I guess yeah we should probably have that conversation about I had seen the theatrical version I think once before not in theaters but when Doug bought the DVD and we watched it because we were like oh Daredevil we never saw that yeah and then I subsequently got the director's cut because I'd heard like oh this is supposed to be an improved version of the movie and I probably watched that two or three times just because you know various people it's like oh hey let me show you the director's cut it's way better so. That's my experience with Daredevil. I uh, I saw the theatrical version in the theater because, you know, I was in high school. It was a great oh. time to see a movie like this. Yeah. <laughs> and also, to be honest, at the time, I was a little bit of like a, a little bit of a Ben Affleck fanboy. And I don't really remember why. Some but, of all uh, fears, right? <laughs> or is that after this? <laughs> no, I think. Well, Pearl Harbor. Mm, Goodwill no. Hunting. The Reindeer oh, Games. Yeah, was Reindeer Games yet? <laughs> Maybe I should, I think it was this movie. Oh, okay. to be honest, it became like uh, we wouldn't, you know, we weren't calling it back then, but it kind of became a meme or a bit at the time amongst me and uh, some of my friends who saw it with me. And I I remember actually really I only saw it once, and I only saw it in the theater, and I thought it was uh, perfectly fine at the time, <laughs> being the uh, you know the picky movie goer that I was. Did not see it in the theater. Got it on DVD. Watched it, I think, twice and was kind of disappointed. I remember Dad was making fun of me (laughs) for watching it because it was so bad. Yeah, so ultimately just very disappointed to the point where when you got the director's cut and said, no, it's different, it's a better movie, I think I didn't believe you until I actually saw it myself. And then Wally Bear saw nothing of the Daredevil. Saw nothing until earlier this week. So I guess I I might be jumping the gun here talking about what I thought, but I was surprised at how much I didn't hate it with all my (laughs) expectations. Maybe my expectations were just so low, even the theatrical version. Like it wasn't wasn't as bad as people said. I mean, maybe they're just off a Spider-Man high, probably. Yeah, I'm sure that's part of it. Yeah. They'd had X-Men, they'd had Blade 
and Blade 2. They'd had Spider-Man, and then they had this. It was tough coming off that Spider-Man hype. Yeah. yeah, this definitely this definitely is a darker movie than Spider-Man. And yeah, I think in both senses of the word sets the yeah. tone right away. Like, oh, he just lets that. Well, basically he kills that guy, you know, like, oh, he's like a revenge superhero. OK, yeah. well, that's after the the like origin story with the overwrought voiceover. That just seems like they want to get through the origin as quickly <laughs> yeah. as they can get away with, which I'm OK. I, I'm, I appreciate the effort on that. I did note the director's cut version had less narration than the theatrical version did. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the thing I the thing I disliked most about the theatrical version was probably the voiceover stuff, especially at the beginning. So mm-hmm. uh, almost immediately yeah. with the director's cut, I could say, yeah, okay, this is already better. <laughs> We're only like and 10 minutes really, in. <laughs> there's not really anything happening there that really like merits the explanation that you can't kind of glean from the montage maybe they thought it was like blade runner and the movie was just ahead of its time and they needed someone to explain it to the audience to make sure they got it i guess but even the director even the the director's cut has more than is necessary like there's only maybe one or two lines that i felt were helpful with the voiceover and almost none of it in the origin sequence very much yeah. by the way like the longest flashback i think we've had in the marvel movie <laughs> and that most oh. of the movie turns out to be a flashback i forgot about that like where the, yeah where you come in at like the 80 percent mark right. and then it's like all right now correct me if i'm wrong there was one small detail in the opening that i want to know if it was different or if i was just like looking really hard at the beginning for differences Okay. Because he drops the so when the when the boy come goes to the workplace to see his dad and he's like oh he hasn't been there for he hasn't worked here for months mm-hmm. and then he like drops the report card yeah yeah in the theatrical version didn't he drop the report card after he saw him beating up the guy in the alley yeah, yeah actually yep. I I it almost that. makes it look like an accident whereas before it's like a deliberate thing it really changed the whole tone of that. Yeah, yeah. I yep. thought it worked better in the director's cut. Uh, you're right. Just and that's a so, nice way to just add, you know, ten seconds to the movie, and then just makes that whole section work a little bit better. But I mean, clearly they were looking for cuts when they did the theatrical version. Oh yeah, yeah. I wonder how much uh, studio interference there was on the theatrical. You know, I think there was a decent amount, but that's only in a brief uh, article. I only read some of <laughs> about <laughs> underrated. Underrated movie, you know, an article from like 2008 that was like underrated movies. The the director's cut of Daredevil. (laughs) Yeah, I think uh, Ben Affleck does okay. I'm, I think, far less convinced by Jennifer Garner as Elektra. What about Jennifer Garner's bust, which shows up in almost every scene that she is in? (laughs) Okay, well, the funeral scene is the only one where it doesn't. Okay, well, obviously, I'm convinced by that. (laughs) was this before or after 13 going on 30 oh you guys are asking all the hard questions (laughs) not the ones i looked up ahead of time you didn't research 13 going on 30 for this this? (laughs) all right where is this in relation to like their relationship and it's like no 13 going on 30 2004 this predates that okay at least as suddenly 30 in some countries Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, okay, so cleavage aside, (laughs) 
I don't. And then I was trying to decide whether this counted as whitewashing or not, mm. given that she's supposed to be at least half Greek, right? Uh, I mean, just based on Greek, just based on the movie. Uh, I actually tried to look into that as well and couldn't find anything other than that she's born in America of American parents. Like so, it's some. In some ways, it's just because you compare it to the Netflix version, right? Where is it? Elodie Young is that who's Electron? The Netflix stuff? I believe so. Yeah, where that seems a much more diverse casting, I guess. A- appropriately diverse casting. Do we, in this movie, do we get an explanation of why Electra is Electra? Yeah, she stabs some uh, sandbags for like 20 minutes. Because <laughs> that's what she thinks. <laughs> She's got fun. a really <laughs> sweet setup that it takes a lot of cleanup. <laughs> she's rich that's what servants are for yeah. oh, that's <laughs> true. She, has a, she has a sandbag assistant whose job is only to refill and rehang the sandbags <laughs> <laughs> and stitch them back up <laughs> oh man <laughs> well but your point actually brings us to a point that doug brought up when we watched the theatrical cut which is so a, a large part of this is based actually on the Frank Miller run of Daredevil from the early 80s and then a little bit in the late 80s or mid to late 80s, I guess, Uh, as opposed to like early Daredevil. Thankfully, we were spared the horror of Mike Murdoch. Wait, what? Oh, do you not know? I am not familiar with that. I have no idea what you're talking about. So mainly because I only ever read the basically just some Miller and mostly Anne Nascenti. Which is a highly underrated run. But yes, early Daredevil. Like a year or two in, Matt Murdock finds it increasingly difficult to juggle his lawyer life with his daredevil life. And so Karen Page and uh, Happy... No. Foggy? Foggyness. Wrong <laughs> <laughs> John Favreau character. <laughs> Foggy Nelson. Uh, become increasingly suspicious. And so in order to allay their suspicions somehow. Matt Murdock claims he has a twin brother named Mike. Uh, what? So Matt Murdock is kind of <laughs> shy and and serious in the comic, whereas his brother, quote-unquote brother, because it's still him, right? It's a fake. It's, <laughs> his brother's, like, loud and outgoing and wears, like, hideous, like, checked trousers <laughs> and mm. elaborate, <laughs> just, like, polka dot bow ties, and he just, like, is just frankly awful, right? And so are they both blind? No, uh, Mike Murdoch's <laughs> supposed to be able to see. And right? he chooses to dress himself that way. Yeah, it's I mean, well, is the worst. Well, it's the 60s, man. But <laughs> uh, M- Matt Murdoch somehow thinks that this is going to make his life less complicated. And it's <laughs> it's worse than I'm making it sound. <laughs> You're just like, why? Stan Lee, what were you doing? I realize you're writing these on the seat of your pants, but... Yeah, so we're spared the Mike Murdoch version of Daredevil. Instead, we get the Frank wow. Miller stuff. But back to my point from like 20 minutes ago. Doug brought up a point that uh, in the... Actually, in both versions, for Daredevil, uh, there's no appearance of his mentor, Stick, who is supposed to have trained him into being like a fighting person or something. Yeah. In this, he just has apparently a huge amount of natural raw talent because... Like I said, they want to get through that origin as quickly as they possibly can. <laughs> so the stick stuff gets dropped like completely. But in the comics, I believe Stick is also supposed to train Electra to have trained Electra. And so she's also like a trained uh, fighter. 
I don't think it's for the reasons that it is in the Netflix series, but I might be wrong. I've only read a handful of the Frank Miller comics, to be perfectly honest. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we have no idea why Electra is Electra or why she knows martial arts or anything. I mean, well, well, I mean, is she just doing it because she's rich and feels like theatrical version? I don't think I saw it in the director's cut. Maybe I missed it. But in the theatrical version, she gives an explanation, I think, of her mom was murdered in front of her. And mm-hmm. her dad wanted to make sure that she wasn't going to be a victim. Uh, and so right. had her trained with a different sensei every year. You're right. Okay. Yeah. I think they I did, they did say both that. Versions. Did they have that in the director's cut? I don't recall if they did. I don't yeah, think can't they recall. did. I don't think I they think did. I think in general was just wondering in both versions why people keep wanting to beat up a blind man. like the the bullies are like oh he's blind let's you should fight me like first of all what (laughs) do you have nothing better to do than to pick on the blind yeah i'm like kids are cruel but like this seat doesn't seem that believable you know like that's not really how bullies work they don't i don't know i mean these were some particularly dumb bullies like the fat kid gets smacked in the back with a cane, runs full force into a metal wall, basically because he managed to miss Daredevil, and I guess knocks himself out because he only has a couple brain cells? Well, that's just action logic, right? (laughs) I thought it was very bizarre. Right, and then... Runs full force into the wall. And then Electra's first move is just like, oh, stop harassing me, I'm going to attack you. Even though I've seen you're blind, like maybe I don't flirt in that way, but that also seems like a weird way to flirt with people. Yeah, I especially the director's cut. I like that a little bit more, but still, it starts out really weird. Like I told you not to follow oh, me. Yeah. I'm following you anyway, and then suddenly there's a scuffle and like grabbing each other, which was really weird. Like it turns into flirting, but. It it's kind of creepy. <laughs> and then, then yeah. he grabs her in the first place is kind of is kind of weird. Exactly. Like it's not like a not like a normal thing to do. Yeah. So I mean, I re- I realized they needed a reason to start their like you know way cool schoolyard scuffle or whatever that yeah. formed the basis of their relationship. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> so one of the things that made that scene work a little bit better for me was simply because the scenes that preceded it, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think in the director's cut, there was more joking going on between Foggy yeah, and so. Ben Affleck. I just thought they did a better job of establishing that that was kind of a humor scene ahead of time, whereas the theatrical version was, there. there's a couple of funny lines ahead of that, but I kind of it kind of cut through the creepiness a little bit, but still. Yeah, the emphasis on the theatrical version is actually really... Like I said, it's it had been for me a long time. I hadn't seen it since I bought the DVD back in 2004, 2005, whatever it was. But yeah, was, I was really surprised by how the emphasis in the actual movie is really pushing uh, Daredevil and Elektra to become a tragic couple to almost the exclusion of anything else in the movie. Yeah. Like, uh, well, we might as well get into one of the major changes uh, between the two is that in the theatrical version, he takes her up to the roof. It starts to rain. He hears some fighting going on uh, and Electra says, stay with me. And so he chooses to do so and they do the nasty. (laughs) The the horizontal mambo. Yeah. The beast with two backs. (laughs) The naked pretzel. (laughs) 
you guys want to join in. Made me realize how uh, how few uh, slang terms I had for it. <laughs> yeah, that's not just straight. And here's a long beep, just like yeah. <laughs> Turquoise. <laughs> yeah, they they do the nasty, and then that really I think alters the perception of every subsequent scene because they've totally yeah you know done it. But in the director's cut, she says, "Stay with me." He says, "I can't." And then he goes and beats up a bad guy related to the kingpin, which I think makes the the relationship more uh, palatable to me, at least. I think because it seems. It doesn't seem in character for me for Daredevil to choose doing it over stopping bad oh, guys. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> so here's a question. We can definitely cut this part if it doesn't make or if you have a good answer for this. But so okay. did they shoot? So they shot the love scene or the, so they shot the okay. sex scene, but they also shot the scenes where he went to attack the criminal. So did they know that they were going to have to decide to use one or the other? Well, remember that the attack the criminal scene is in the theatrical cut. It just happens earlier before he takes Electra up to the roof. Oh, yeah. I see. So maybe it was intended to be earlier. Okay. Right. But right. that sequence is still there. My theory was just that they shot the sex scene before everything else, and then they were just going to decide where to put it. build a movie around it we know we're gonna need this where's it gonna go are you sure this is necessary i'm sure (laughs) it's a great icebreaker too between the uh, actors (laughs) i mean that's a good point hi i'm ben hi i'm jennifer let's do this thing (laughs) and a real life romance started (laughs) right there yeah yeah But yeah, that could be a good idea. Just like wherever we have a seam in the movie that doesn't work, we just will just insert the sex scene. And no one will notice. Just use it as like a wipe. You know, yep. Like... <laughs> it's like is a Fight Club that does that? Oh, where there's the subliminal stuff. Yeah. Like I don't think it's as wipes. But there's just like subliminal pornography or something. Like scene at Maybe. scene transitions, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They do bring up Fight Club in at least the director's cut. I don't remember if it was in the theatrical cut. Oh yeah, it was not yeah. in the theatrical cut. I oh, thought that was a pretty good joke, the one about Fight Club in the in the director's cut too. It yeah. Was. So that was the stuff that I was really surprised they took out in the theatrical version was the joking between John Favreau and Ben Affleck was actually kind of funny. And like some of it seemed like it was ad lib too, like Ben Affleck had genuine reactions to his joke so i thought that was kind of charming and i was surprised that they took that out well i was getting in the way of the the hot matt on electra mambo (laughs) mattress mambo you're right you you have to choose (laughs) and have both in a movie humor and sex no way (laughs) Mm -mm. Mm -mm. not in my movie <laughs> I need less charm, more sex criminal. <laughs> yeah, go back to the grabbing arm scene. <laughs> We're gonna Make it very clear re- she doesn't want this. <laughs> oh gosh. I was okay. just thinking about how much I you know, like as bad as the beginning of that was, 
I still kind of wanted more like goofy fighting. Like, you know, there's not like that much fun in this movie. Yeah. I mean, the director's cut has more of the humor, makes it seem like, I don't know, it goes goes down smoother that way. Like Wade Boggs. You know. That one took me a second. (laughs) My favorite part of that is that they didn't tell him what the context was when they had him record that line. Him being Hank Aaron on Futurama. Yeah. Uh, Raid Boggs goes down smooth. (laughs) (laughs) Because he's drinking from the head in a jar that has Wade Boggs in it. There's your context. (laughs) But they didn't even tell Hank Aaron that. And he just read it. He was like, all right. (laughs) I trust you. (laughs) Sorry, I totally killed whatever point someone was making. Uh, Paul was making a point, but I'm going to step on him by, by saying... Yeah, once once the fight scene gets started, it's actually pretty fun. Like the part where they're taking their coats off in the beginning, I just really wanted, you know, the street fighter fight <laughs> across the middle of the screen. He even does like the finger bring it thing, you know, the <laughs> Yeah. Like I felt like the Matrix music was gonna start, you know, that sort of thing. Now you have me like picturing a, a version of this where Ben Affleck fights like a hundred Jennifer Garners. <laughs> All with cleavage. <laughs> Much better than the cleavage version of the uh, Agent Smith fight. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's <laughs> a director's cut you don't see. Yeah, and the other main director's cut makes is the addition of the subplot with Coolio as a yeah as a uh, alleged murderer who uh, is innocent. And but it turns out he gets tied in. He's tied in with Kingpin as well. And I actually really like that subplot because not only does it show you like more of Matt Murdock and uh, Foggy's interaction, but it also actually I think gives more compelling motivation for the Kingpin as a character in the director's cut. Because in the theatrical cut, I left that movie going, "Oh, okay, I guess the Kingpin's in this, <laughs> and I guess he killed <laughs> Matt's dad, and I don't know why else I." I'm really supposed to care. I guess he's killing Electra and people, but I don't, I don't really like, I never really got a sense. That he was this like head of the, of all the crime in New York. Right. Never got a sense that he was a kingpin of crime. Correct. Yeah. I was trying to avoid saying that. Cause that's why he's kingpin, but <laughs> yeah. And the last, Wait, hold on. I think I only just got that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it didn't make any sense wow. how they got to, how the police figured out. So in the theatrical version, it didn't make sense that that fight scene at the end where they just Daredevil kind of shows up. And then at the end, the police show up. It's like, yeah. do we have any reason that they're arresting Kingpin? I mean, we know he's a bad guy. I guess I buy it. But mm-hmm. you're right. That subplot helped a lot. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that said, uh, Michael Clark Duncan is a great Kingpin to me. He's just very physically imposing. He, you know, he just acts like a badass. Like, I buy that he's the kingpin. Yeah, I, I can agree yeah. with that. Another point I'm trying to remember. Did the kingpin kill those two guards in the theatrical version as well? Just apropos of nothing? I don't believe so. Yeah, I thought that was a good addition. So. Show he was pretty B.A. It, yeah, that he just doesn't care and he'll kill people just because he wants to kill. Like, he enjoyed it. Kind of added a little bit more stakes, you know? Yeah. For mm, me, stakes. it gave a different play... <laughs> <laughs> I want to choose that. Oh, we're going for it. 
it gave a different flavor to when uh, you know he walks into his office later and Bullseye is already there having murdered the guard. Yes. Like, it's not because in the theatrical version, that's the first time one of those guards gets murdered. Whereas in the director's cut, it's like, you know, Kingpin doesn't seem that tore up because, you know, makes kind of sense because he dispatched a couple of them himself earlier. Yeah, I remember seeing that watching the theatrical and I was like, oh, it kind of, I mean, it makes, I guess this makes sense with this character, but I didn't really, you don't really see any reason why he would just not bat an eye at this dead guard. It's good too, because then we know that there are no consequences for him, right? He's not worried about what's going to happen to these guards. He just knows it'll get taken care of. He doesn't need any reason to do what the things he does. I do think though that in both versions, far and away, best thing about this movie is Colin Farrell. And as Paul said at one point, he he never thought he'd hear that sentence uttered. But (laughs) (laughs) Colin Farrell clearly does not care. He's not trying to make this a realistic interpretation or a grounded interpretation. He's just having fun. And because he's having fun, we're having fun. Which bullseye. Bullseye. (laughs) Just feels very true to the spirit of bullseye as a character. I actually don't know that much about total psycho. But yeah. Just like the way he just like, you know, always rubs like his tattoo. And he always just is like has weird grinning and is like throwing stuff just because it's fun. Yeah. Right. It's just it's great to watch that Colin Farrell. Yeah, I like in, in the um, the security scene, too, which I don't think was in the, the- theatrical version. Yeah, it's where, not. Well, he just has random things that he's trying to get through the uh, the metal <laughs> detector, like paper clips and pens. And we <laughs> like at this point, we already it's know that, that, yeah, that that's how yeah. he needs to kill people. <laughs> yeah, I just I just love the end of that scene where he like stares down the police dog. like what the heck is that but it works for some reason i do have one question though so there's the moment where colin farrell says to kingpin that he wants a costume yeah and he never gets it in either version yeah in either version so so i want to know what happened was kingpin like you don't need a costume or was he like yeah we'll order it but uh we have to go through Amazon, which is just a small company at this point in time. So it's going to take a little longer. <laughs> they're they're really breaking out of the book market and uh, expanding into other goods. Yeah. You goofs. I'm willing to bet it just, you know, you, he's probably got a tailor on staff, but he's probably busy making giant suits for the kingpin. You know, has to a, a find time in there to make a suit for for Bullseye. The first one was like kind of more of a leather daddy outfit. And they're like, oh, that won't work. <laughs> I think you used too That's... much spandex on this one. That's going to bunch in weird places, guys. You know, while we were talking about Bullseye, I just, in general, I really do, if done well, I always enjoy the secondary villain henchman that you don't really need to know the backstory of. That's yeah. that's usually a, that's kind of a trope that I always eat up in these movies because like, be, you really need it. You can't explain everyone's backstory. You, sometimes he's going to be just, up and thrilled when we get to Electra, isn't he, Adam? Oh, yeah, he'll be great. Yeah, great. <laughs> Wait, have you seen Electra? No, I've only heard what you've told me about it. Oh, yeah. Where they just, here's a whole bunch of henchmen, no introductions or even names required. Oh, <laughs> nice. So they just pile <laughs> them on. But they all have powers. Oh, it's like yep. mystery men, but if they were all actually mystery men. Yeah. And villains. 
and it's not a. <laughs> There's that moment in the movie where Bullseye cuts Electra's throat with a playing card, and that just takes me back to that harrowing month in uh, <laughs> undergrad when Charlie was determined to like injure people by throwing playing cards hard enough. <laughs> what? Yeah, well, and, like they've and, it, and it became a thing in decided, our in our hallway. Yep. Yeah, and at some point they decided that the problem was that the corners were rounded, so they had started cutting off the corners so that they had sharp ends. <laughs> I didn't do that, but that's a good and idea. I was like, I'm <laughs> out of this, guys. <laughs> what? Did I got one. Get hurt? Um, I'm sure they did. I can't remember any specific instances. I do remember once I got it like to stick in the blinds, like not in between the slats of the blinds, but it was going fast enough that it actually cut into the side of the card and it got stuck. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just wanted to share my trauma. <laughs> we never wow. got we never got throat slashing good. Thankfully. <laughs> Which is odd because uh one or two of the guys in my dorm were probably pretty close to throat slashing good with throwing or playing cards. Oh wow. It it just wasn't a long term thing. Because I remember reading up about it too and like People, there were people who were into it, and they're like, "Yeah, you've got to get like a like you can get like a metal playing card or whatever, and start throwing that." I'm like, "Is that just a throwing star?" (laughs) (laughs) The point is to turn an everyday object into a weapon, not (laughs) right a weapon into a weapon. (laughs) Well, they they saw Bullseye's belt buckle, and they just had to have those throwing stars. And speaking of of that, how much force does Bullseye have to put on Daredevil's billy club to penetrate deep into Elektra's dad's chest? Yeah. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I mean, they could have just hit him in the head. That would have been fine, too. I would have believed that would have killed him. Maybe he had (laughs) osteoporosis. Just went right through those ribs. But just to penetrate even flesh, right? (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's... I mean, what's the amount of pressure you have to have to penetrate flesh, right? It's it's like a pound per square inch or something? No idea. That'd be way more it's, than that. It's got to be, yeah, it's got to be a pretty decent amount for something All right. locked. Google incognito mode. <laughs> <laughs> Human skin, sheer strength. That's what you want. FBI. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you, why don't you Google ammonium? Skin. 100 pounds per square inch. Oh. So if he's throwing this, I mean. Thing that's probably about a square about, inch. About a square inch area. Maybe a little less. Of, yeah, it's, it's probably more than an inch in diameter. Yeah, so mm-hmm. something like that. So how fast does it have to be going to, mm-hmm. uh, given that it's like. Yeah, what? physicist, tell us. Maybe like. Can I get out a piece uh, of paper and do this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean. Because what? How heavy is it? Like, yeah, that can be a. I want that, That'll be a blog post uh, entry. I could do that for you, but I'm not. Right. <laughs> I don't. I can do okay. it right now. <laughs> It'll be I the start know, of though. like a uh, of a you know they did the math style uh, like Randall <laughs> Monroe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It'll have to be a regular. If we didn't have enough things for you to do, Charlie, <laughs> 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 there's going to be have to be a physics problem for every podcast now. <laughs> well, based on that Marvel shot, physics. he was probably about a hundred yards away <laughs> when he threw it. How fast? Given did he air have to throw resistance. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, in you know, in movies, there 
I mean, that thing had a flat trajectory. So, I mean, you could maybe give it like a little bit of a... Well, no, no, hold on, hold on. Parabolic travel. Normally it wouldn't work, but it was extra propelled by the gas tank explosion. Wait, doesn't the gas tank explosion go the opposite direction? No, the gas tank explosion was, uh, wasn't it Bullseye's motorcycle blowing up? Yeah, but I thought it skidded. Like, bullseye goes off, it skids past, so it's motorcycle oh, daredevil it bullseye. That's what I thought. Oh. Hmm. We may have to go back to the tape, but... Mm. Might be a difference between theatrical and director. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> well, well there's guess... two physics problems for you. <laughs> All right. I guess Paul can tell us when he watches it again. <laughs> In a week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, now that I'm curious, I think I'm just going to have to have a, a double feature tonight. A double, <laughs> double feature. A simulcast double feature. Watch them both at the same time. One on your uh, TV, one on your computer screen. One for each eye. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And I pause. (laughs) Like, I, you know, you edit it so it auto-pauses. So I have the theatrical cut director's length. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So another thing that I thought was kind of neat about this movie was that they actually used the names of people who had worked on Daredevil in the movie. Although... I thought that it was very odd to have Joe Quesada, inventor of the quesadilla, as <laughs> the uh, evil rapist guy. Besides, that was Jose Quesada. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And and some Daredevil cameos. Uh, we had Stan Lee yep. with young Matt Murdock stopping him from crossing the street. The medical exam or the forensics guy, the the Brienne of the movie, I guess. Mm. I don't know what Brian does. Uh, <laughs> I don't think she's a coroner, dude. <laughs> this guy seemed like a coroner. That was Kevin Smith. And it turns out, Doug, you were right. The guy with the pen in his head that Bullseye stole the motorcycle from was Frank Miller. You know okay. what they say? It's better to have a pen in head than a pen is head. <laughs> 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 that's not even making it to a tag show. That's just, that's that's just, just personal in. interaction there. <laughs> Audible sigh. <laughs> what point did you turn into Doug? <laughs> Harsh. So what did everyone think of the uh, CGI in this movie? I actually thought it wasn't too bad. The, uh, the the shadows world you know daredevil sonar stuff whatever worked pretty well for me i thought you know i got i definitely got an idea of how it was supposed to look and i was like yeah okay i buy it some uh, a few of the effect shots like weren't great like some of the jumping stuff some of the like you know just random objects where you're just like oh that's cg yeah the echolocation stuff you're right it did work very well to the point where i'm glad that the <laughs> director's cut didn't explain it they're like, the visual works well enough that you don't have to explain what's going on. Oh, I mean, like, when you ask the question, like, what did, we, what did you think of the CG? I think it says a lot that I was just, like, blindsided by the question, because I was like, oh, we're, I didn't even really think about it. It was, there wasn't so much of it that I was, that was, yeah. like, always at the forefront of your consciousness while you're watching the movie, so. For me, the falling rose at the end, like, where it transitioned, I think it transitions into CG for the bounce. That looked distractingly bad. And not CG, but the wire work was at times a distraction for me. Right. Where it was like, 
these people aren't supposed to be like superhuman jumping ability. Why can they do this? The only complaint I'd have about the CG is what you said, kind of the jumping effects where they were doing that wasn't particularly, I mean, not the wire work, but the actual CG jumping around and stuff worked. I mean, I don't think it was particularly worse than say Spider-Man, but I think just the fact that everything was so dark, it didn't like the whole theme of the movie didn't seem as cart or didn't seem as comic E. So I don't know. Yeah. Cartoonish. So I just, it felt a little bit more out of place here. Although maybe yeah. if we went and like did a side by side comparison with Spider Man, I think maybe Spider Man would be better. But it's hard to say. Having watched them even a, a couple of weeks apart. All right. So what did everyone think uh, of of Daredevil? I think given that the movies are different enough, we could have a rating for the theatrical and a rating for the director's cut. Let's start with Doug. Ooh. Well, what are we what are we rating uh, out of? Oh. Or what are we rating wow. with? Ooh. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Billy clubs <laughs> or paper clubs. Came, uh, canes. Uh, <laughs> seeing eye kings yeah alright so the theatrical cut is how many sex scenes out of 10 <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> that's well, how, how I rate movies sex scenes out of 10 <laughs> once it hits 10 then it's a perfect movie <laughs> that's, that's every Caligula. time yeah billy club seems fine so how many billy clubs out out of 10 would you give the movies daredevils um for the theatrical version i'm gonna say five. Oh, you you've actually gone down since your uh initial reaction mm, you were at a oh, six what i say six time. yeah uh yeah no like like comparing it to the the previous scores i've given to movies like i actually like the 1990 captain america better and Although the production values were quite laughably bad for the unreleased 94 Fantastic Four, it, overall, I think the theatrical one is probably about there in terms of my enjoyment. Like, it was just, uh, I, I was so disappointed. So now five the director's Billy Clubs. Cut, five Billy Clubs out of ten. Now, the director's cut version, I'm going to say seven and a half. Like, uh-huh. it, it is basically a different movie to me. So on par with Blade. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much. I think probably a, a whole point and a half of that is lost in the theatrical cut exclusively because of the sex scene. Paints the entire movie. So yeah, seven and a half. Uh, for me, on my initial reaction, when we first watched the theatrical cut last week, I said six. But that was a low six because I was kind of between 5.5 and six. And I think I'm actually going to drop it down a little bit to 5.5. Uh, for me, this is a little better than Captain America and Fantastic Four, the theatrical cut, but it's got some major, major problems. So that's a 5.5 Billy Clubs for me. Uh, director's Cut, I do, I agree, is a, is a much better film. It's much more coherent. Uh, the motivations definitely make more sense, and it's got more moments of charm, right, with John mm-hmm. Favreau. His, his first uh, Marvel appearance, by the way, John Favreau, before he becomes involved in the Iron Man stuff. And so, yeah, so for me... The director's cut works a lot better. I like seeing the aspect of uh, Matt Murdock as a lawyer in addition to being a vigilante. And so for me, this is, uh, I'm going to say this is a seven. Seven Billy Clubs out of ten for the director's cut. On par with the Captain America serial and Blade 2 for me. Mm-hmm. Paul? Um, so I'm uh, I'm going to sound like a copycat here. That's okay. I think I, I, I think I went with 5.5. 
on my first viewing. That, that is correct. Um, I wrote it down so that we'd have it. And yeah, you gave 5.5 first time around. So I think I'll, I think I'll stick with that. You know, it was, it was an okay movie, the uh, theatrical version. I, I did, you know, the, the director's cut was a big, made it, made it a lot better. I enjoyed it a lot more as far as it making sense as a movie. So I think I'll go, I, I was, I'll go with a seven on that as well, which puts it for me on par with the 1990 Captain America and Spider-Man. Yeah. Mm. Feels a little all over the place, but you know, it's tough to compare <laughs> these movies. These yeah. movies are all very different things. Yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> At a certain point, it feels like you're just, you know, measuring the movie against itself, which in this case we are. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think particularly the addition of the, the Coolio court scenes and everything made it way better for me because you actually got to see that side. And then the story made more sense that way, too. Hardcore lawyer in action. Yeah. Yeah. I almost wanted more of that. I, maybe I just want to watch like Daredevil, the goofy courtroom drama. You know? If you want to see Matt Murdock, stay here and file some legal briefs. <laughs> Press one on your armrest. So I know near the top I said, oh, this movie was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. That still doesn't mean that I was a huge fan of the theatrical version. I was thinking I was going to give it like a but blind going on, not knowing anything about it, just what I'd heard. I was thinking I was going to give it like a 1.5 or a 2. Like, that's really, wow. that's, well, that's really what the impression I had gotten from most people about it. They were like, have you seen Daredevil? It's considerably worse than Tower the Duck. <laughs> so Worthy of the Marvel, Marvel brand is that uh, property. <laughs> The theatrical version does something that I just hate with a lot of movies where it just right off the bat tries to handhold you with all that narration. And so it was hard to get on board to start, but still better than I thought it was going to be. I'd give that version a four. So I think that's better than Howard the Duck. Better yes. than Howard the Duck and Men in Black 2. Ah, yes. I um, gave a 3.52. I would. I thought the director's cut. So you're absolutely right that we should have watched the director's cut. I give it, I'm up to 6.5, I think. All right. So nice. it increases okay. it increases the value of the movie quite a bit. Just there's yeah. a lot more, just all the extra humorous scenes. And if I had to make a half hour cut to the movie, I might have made the same cut, but I don't think that stuff should have been a cut, right? You can get by without all the Coolio stuff. It just detracts from the movie in a way that doesn't really need to. Well, that probably wraps it up for another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report. I'm Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. And today we had two um, extant guests here. (laughs) (laughs) Doug Gobeski and Paul Wilcox. Thanks for being on the show. It was a pleasure to be here. And uh, join us for our next movie in the, the Mary Marvel Movie March, which will be the... May 2003 movie X2, X-Men United. Although uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to get some sort of special ALF podcast between now and then. (laughs) Yep, it's just material we found sitting around. Don't know how how we came upon it. Oh, it's uh, we're we're helping young podcasters with our extensive (laughs) network. (laughs) That we are. 
<laughs> you get that <laughs> you get that uh Besky Wallace report bump. That's right. At <laughs> <laughs> <A> GWRB. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the old worm. <laughs> That's our show. Thanks for listening. We hope you check us out. Don't forget you can visit our website at www.gobeskywallacereport.com. Also, we're on Facebook and Twitter, so make sure to look for us there for extra entertaining bits. You will be entertained. Possibly. Wait. So you're definitely entertained, but only possibly entertained. Well, I don't want to get sued for false advertising. But yeah, DC sucks, I guess. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> <laughs> it's so much easier when you just say it. <laughs> well, I did get paid off by Disney. <laughs> mm-hmm. who, who isn't on the payroll these days, am I right? Me? Uh, <laughs> Doug's on the Warner Brothers payroll, but I don't think it's as lucrative. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure, because I care more about integrity than uh, ill-gotten gains. Oh, yes. Tell us about Suicide Squad. (laughs) Um, Suicide Squad was basically Avengers 2 redone better, but still not good. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Best Will Smith movie I saw in the last few years. That may be the nicest thing I've ever heard anyone say about Suicide Squad. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) 